Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. Also at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign-Up. And there you can subscribe to receive an excellent daily email containing both the lesson for the day as well as the text reading. Uh, my name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we uh, are finishing a reading of Chapter 14, Bringing Illusions to Truth with Section 7, The Test of Truth. We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 163. There is no death. The Son of God is free. And by way of opening this morning, I found this little piece from David Modica in his work, Signs Along the Path, just so perfect. And it goes like this. We have an existence that transcends the physical. We are an energetic being created by love. Love is the breath of the entire cosmos, the breath of existence. You and I are the breath of love's existence. When this is understood, you will look at this world as nothing but love. You will see yourself and all its creatures in love's various stages of development. Live here, and love's light will shine its brightest in you. Live here, and live in love's eternal existence. There is no death. The Son of God is free. Amen. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Perfect for the Brilliant. day. Right. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. What a privilege to find these little pieces every day. Anyway, here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Robin Marie, Donna, Judy, Jessica, and Harrison. And have I missed anyone? I don't think so. Okay, I think there's one unmuted line. And we'll go ahead and get underway then. In Chapter 14, Bringing Illusions to Truth, Section 7, The Test of Truth. Let's see. The essential thing he begins with yet. So I'm going to back up then to the last couple of sentences in the previous paragraph, 57. The miracle becomes the means of sharing our shared identity by supplying your identity wherever it is not recognized you will recognize it and God himself who wills to be with his son forever will bless each recognition of his son with all the love he holds for him nor will the power of all his love be absent from any miracle you offer to his son how then 
can there be any order of difficulty among them? Section 7, The Test of Truth. Yet, the essential thing is learning that you do not know. Knowledge is power, and all power is of God. You, who have tried to keep power for yourselves alone, have lost it. You still have the power, but you have interposed so much between it and your awareness of it that you cannot use it. Everything you have taught yourselves has made your power more and more obscure to you. You know not what it is, nor where. You have made a semblance of power and a show of strength so pitiful that it must fail you. For power is not a seeming strength, and truth is beyond semblance of any kind. Yet, all that stands between you and the power of God in you is but your learning of the false and your attempts to undo the true. Uh, Lemoyne. Okay. Thank you, Lori. All right. Chapter 14, Bringing Illusions to Truth. Section 7, The Test of Truth. Yet the essential thing is learning that I alone do not know. Knowledge is power, and all power is of God. You who have tried to keep power for yourselves have lost it. You still have the power, but you have interposed so much between it and your awareness of it that you cannot use it. Okay, I started in the first person. I've got to continue it. Sorry. I who have tried to keep the power for myself have lost it. I still have the power, but I have interposed so much between it and my awareness of it that I cannot use it. Everything I have taught myself has made my power more and more obscure to me. I know not what it is nor where. I have made a semblance of power and a show of strength so pitiful that it must fail. For power is not a seeming strength, and truth is beyond semblance of any kind. Yet all that stands between us and the power of God in us is but our learning of the false and our attempts to undo the true. Be willing, then, for all of it to be undone, and be glad that you are not bound to it forever. For we have taught ourselves how to imprison the Son of God, a lesson so unthinkable that only in the insane, in deepest sleep, could even dream of it. Can God learn how not to be God? And can his Son, given all power by him, learn to be powerless? What have I taught myself that I can possibly prefer to keep in place of what I have and what I am? Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 59. Be willing, then, for all of it to be undone, 
and be glad that you are not bound to it forever. For you have taught yourselves how to imprison the Son of God, a lesson so unthinkable that only the insane in deepest sleep could even dream of it. Can God learn how not to be God? And can his Son, given all power by him, learn to be powerless? What have you taught yourselves that you can can possibly prefer to keep in place of what you have and what you are? 60. Atonement teaches you how to escape forever from everything that you have taught yourselves in the past by showing you only what you are now. Learning has been accomplished before its effects are manifest. Learning is therefore in the past, but its influence determines the present by giving it whatever meaning it holds for you. Your learning gives the present no meaning at all. Nothing you have ever learned can help you understand the present or teach you how to undo the past. Your past is what you have taught yourselves. Let it all go. Do not attempt to understand any event or anything or anyone in its light, for the light of darkness by which you try to see can only obscure. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. Atonement teaches you how to escape forever from everything that you have taught yourself in the past by showing you only what you are now. Learning has been accomplished before its effects are manifest. Learning is therefore in the past, but its influence determines the present by giving it whatever meaning it holds for you. Your learning gives the present no, no meaning at all. Nothing you have ever learned can help you understand the present or teach you how to undo the past. Your past is what you have taught yourselves. Let it all go. Do not attempt to understand any event or anything or anyone in its light, for the light of darkness by which you try to see can only obscure. 61. Put no confidence at all in darkness to illuminate your understanding, for if you do, you contradict the light, and thereby think you see the darkness. Yet darkness cannot be seen, for it is nothing more than a condition in which seeing becomes impossible. You who have not yet brought all of the darkness you have taught yourselves unto the light in you can hardly judge the truth and value of this course. Yet God did not abandon you, and so you have another lesson sent from him already learned. For every child of light by him to whom God gave it. And so you have another lesson sent from him already learned for every child of light by him to whom God gave it. This lesson shines with God's glory, for in it lies his power, which he shares so gladly with his son. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna. 61. Put no confidence 
at all in darkness to illuminate your understanding. For if you do, you contradict the light and thereby think you see the darkness. Yet darkness cannot be seen, for it is nothing more than a condition in which seeing becomes impossible. You have you who have not yet brought all of the darkness you have taught yourselves unto the light in you can hardly judge the truth and value of this course. Yet God did not abandon you. And so you have another lesson sent from him, already learned for every child of light by him to whom God gave it. This lesson shines with God's glory, for it in it lies his power, which he shares so gladly with his son. 62. Learn of his happiness, which is yours. But to accomplish this, all your dark lessons must be brought willingly to truth and joyously laid down by hands open to receive not clothes to take. Every dark lesson that you bring to him who teaches light, he will accept from you because you do not want it. And he will gladly exchange each one for the bright lesson he has learned for you. Never believe that any lesson you have learned apart from him means anything. Thank you, Donna. And Judy. Love this. Great paragraph. Learn of his happiness, which is yours. But to accomplish this, all your dark lessons must be brought willingly to truth and joyously laid down by hands open to receive and not close to take. Every dark lesson that you bring to him who teaches light, he will accept from you because you do not want it. And he will gladly exchange each one for the bright lesson he has learned for you. Never believe that any lesson you have learned apart from him means anything. You have one test, as sure as God by which to recognize if what you learned is true. If you are wholly free of fear of any kind, if you are wholly free of fear of any kind, and if all those who meet or even think of you share in your perfect peace, share in your perfect peace, then you can be sure then you can be sure that you have learned God's lesson and not yours. Unless all this is true, there are dark lessons in your mind which hurt and hinder you and everyone around you. The absence of perfect peace means but one thing. You think you do not will for God's Son what his Father wills for him. Every dark lesson 
teaches this in one form or another. And each bright lesson with which the Holy Spirit will replace the dark ones you do not accept and hide teach, teaches you that you will with the Father unto his Son. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. <clears throat> Thanks, Lori. 63. You have one test, as sure as God, by which to recognize if what you learned is true. If you are wholly free of fear of any kind, and if all those who meet or even think of you share in your perfect peace, then you can be sure that you have learned God's lesson and not yours. Unless all this is true, there are dark lessons in your mind which hurt and hinder you and everyone around you. The absence of perfect peace means but one thing. You think you do not will for God's son what his father wills for him. Every dark lesson teaches this in one form or another. And each bright lesson with which the Holy Spirit will replace the dark ones you do not accept and hide teaches you that you will with the Father unto his Son. 64. Do not be concerned how you can learn a lesson so completely different from everything you have taught yourself. How would you know? Your part is very simple. You need only recognize that everything you learned you do not want. Ask to be taught and do not use your experiences to confirm what you have learned. When your peace is threatened or disturbed in any way, say to yourself, Did I read that? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> okay. When your peace is threatened or disturbed in any way, say to yourself, I do not know what anything, including this, means. And so I do not know how to respond to it. And I will not use my own past learning as the light to guide me now. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. And Harrison, if you'd like to read um, 64, 65, and 66, please. Got it. Do not be concerned how you can learn a lesson so completely different from everything you have taught yourselves. How would it? You know, your part is very simple. You need only recognize that everything you learn, you do not want. Ask to be taught and do not use your experiences to confirm what you have learned. 
When your peace is threatened or disturbed in any way, say to yourself, I do not know what anything, including this, means. And so, I do not know how to respond to it. And I will not use my own past learning as the guide, as the light to guide me now. By this refusal to attempt to teach yourself what you do not know, the guide whom God has given you will speak to you. He will take his rightful place in your awareness the instant you abandon it and offer it to him. Thank you, Harrison. And do we have a new reader um, to pick up the last two sentences in 64, 65, 66, and 67. Good morning, Lori. I'd be happy to do that. All righty. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Starting with you need only recognized. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. You need only recognize that everything you learned you do not want and ask to be taught and do not use your experiences to confirm what you have learned. When your peace is threatened or disturbed in any way, say to yourself, I do not know what anything, including this, means. And so I do not know how to respond to it. And I will not use my own past learning as the light to guide me now. 66. By this refusal to attempt to teach yourself what you do not know, the guide whom God has given you will speak to you. He will take his rightful place in your awareness the instant you abandon it and offer it to him. 67. You cannot be your guide to miracles, for it is you who made them necessary. And because you did, the means on which you can depend for miracles has been provided for you. God's Son can make no needs his Father will not meet if he but turn to him ever so little. Yet he cannot compel his Son to turn to him and remain himself. It is impossible that God lose his identity, for if he did, you would lose yours. And being yours, he cannot change himself, for your identity is changeless. The miracle acknowledges his changelessness by seeing his son as he always was, and not as he would make himself. The miracle brings the effects which only guiltlessness 
and bring, and thus establishes the fact that guiltlessness must be. Thank you, Karen. And is there a new reader for 67 and 68? I can read. This is Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. You cannot be your guide to miracles, for it is you who made them necessary. And because you did, the means on which you can depend for miracles has been provided for you. God's Son can make no needs his Father will not meet if he but turn to him ever so little. Yet he cannot compel his Son to turn to him and remain himself. It is impossible that God lose his identity, for if he did, you would lose yours. And being yours, he cannot change himself, for your identity is changeless. The miracle acknowledges his changelessness by seeing his son as he always was and not as he would make himself. The miracle brings the effects which only guiltlessness can bring and thus establishes the fact that guiltlessness must be. 68. How can you, so firmly bound to guilt and committed so to remain established for yourself, your guiltlessness, and, and sorry, and committed so to remain established for yourself, your guiltlessness? That is impossible. But be sure that you are willing to acknowledge that it is impossible. It is only because you think that you can run some little part or deal with certain aspects of your lives alone that the guidance of the Holy Spirit is limited. Thus would you make him undependable and use this fancied undependability as an excuse for keeping certain dark lessons from him. And by so limiting the guidance that you would accept, you are unable to depend on miracles to answer all your problems for you. Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for uh, 68 and 69? Okay, back to you, LeMoyne. All right. How can you, so firmly bound to guilt and committed so to remain, establish for yourself your guiltlessness? That is impossible. But be sure you are willing to acknowledge that it is impossible. It is only because you think that you can run some little part or deal with certain aspects of your lives alone that the guidance of the Holy Spirit is limited. Thus would you make him undependable and use this fancied undependability as an excuse for keeping certain dark lessons from him. And by so limiting the guidance that you would accept, you are unable to depend on miracles 
to answer all your problems for you. Do you think that what the Holy Spirit would have you give, he would withhold from you? You have no problems which he cannot solve by offering you a miracle. Miracles are for you. And every fear or pain or trial you have has been undone. He has brought them all to the light, having accepted them instead of you and recognized they never were. There are no dark lessons he has not already lightened for you. The lessons you would teach yourselves he has corrected already. They do not exist in his mind at all. For the past binds him not and therefore binds not you. He does not see time as you do. And each miracle he offers you corrects your use of time and makes it his. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 69. Do you think that what the Holy Spirit would have you give, he would withhold from you? You have no problems, which he cannot solve by offering you a miracle. Miracles are for you. And every fear or pain or trial you have has been undone. He has brought all of them to light, having accepted them instead of you and recognized they never were. There are no dark lessons he has not already lightened for you. The lessons you would teach yourselves he has corrected already. They do not exist in his mind at all. For the past binds him not and therefore binds not you. He does not see time as you do, and each miracle he offers you corrects your use of time and makes it his. 70. He who has freed you from the past would teach you, would teach you are free of it. He would but have you accept his accomplishments as yours because he did them for you, and because he did, they are yours. He has made you free of what you made. You can deny him, but you cannot call on him in vain. He always gives what he has made in place of you. He would establish his bright teaching so firmly in your mind that no dark lessons of guilt can abide in what he has established as holy by his presence. Thank God that he is there and works through you, and all his works are yours. He offers you a miracle with everyone you let him do through you. Thank you, Fran. And Robin Marie. <coughs> 70. He who has freed you from the past <coughs> would teach you. He who has freed you from the past would teach you are free of it. He would but have you accept his accomplishments as yours because he did them for you. And because he did, they are yours. He has made you free of what you made. You can deny him, but you cannot call on him in vain. He always gives what he has made in place of you. 
he would establish his bright teaching so firmly in your mind that no dark lessons of guilt can abide in what he has established as holy by his presence. Thank God that he is there and works through you, and all his works are yours. He offers you a miracle with every one you let him do through you. 71. God's Son will always be indivisible. As we are held as one in God, so do we learn as one in him. God's teacher is as like to his creator as is his son. And through his teacher does God proclaim his oneness and his sons. Listen in silence and do not raise your voice against him. For he teaches the miracle of oneness. And before his lesson, division disappears. Teach like him here. And you will remember that you have always created like your father. The miracle of creation has never ceased, having the holy stamp of immortality upon it. This is the will of God for all creation, and all creation joins in willingness. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna. 71. God's Son will always be indivisible. As we are held as one in God, so do we learn as one in him. God's teacher is as like to his creator as is his son. And through his teacher does God proclaim his oneness and his sons. Listen in silence and do not raise your voice against him. For he teaches the miracle of oneness, and before his lesson, division disappears. Teach like him here, and you will remember that you have always created like your father. The miracle of creation has never ceased, having the holy stamp of immortality upon it. This is the will of God for all creation and all creation joins in willingness. 72. Those who remember always that they know nothing, but who have become willing to learn everything, will learn it. But whenever they trust themselves, they will not learn. They have destroyed their motivation for learning by thinking they already know. Think not. You understand anything until you pass the test of perfect peace. For peace and understanding go together and never can be found alone. Each brings the other with it. For it is the law of God that they be not separate. They are cause and effect, each to the other. So where one is absent, the other cannot be. Thank you, Donna and Judy. Yes, thank you, Lori. Those who remember always that they know nothing but who have become willing to learn everything will learn it. But whenever they trust themselves, 
They will not learn. They have destroyed their motivation for learning by thinking they already know. Think not you understand anything until you pass the test of perfect peace. For peace and understanding go together and never can be found alone. Each bring the other with it, for it is the law of God. They be not separate. They are cause and effect, each to each other. So where one is absent, the other cannot be. Only those who see, they cannot know, unless the effects of understanding are with them, can really learn at all. And for this, it must be peace they want and nothing else. And for this, it must be peace they want and nothing else. Whenever you think you know, peace will depart from you because you have abandoned the teacher of peace. Whenever you fully realize that you know not, peace will return, for you will have invited him to do so by abandoning the ego on behalf of him. Call not upon the ego for anything. It is only this that you need do. The Holy Spirit will, of himself, feel, fill every mind that so makes room for him. Oh, I love this. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. Thank you, Lori. Um, 73. Only those who see they cannot know unless the effects of understanding are with them can really learn at all. And for this, it must be peace they want and nothing else. Whenever you think you know, whenever you think you know, Peace will depart from you because you have abandoned the teacher of peace. Whenever you fully realize that you know not, peace will return, for you will have invited him to do so by abandoning the ego on behalf of him. Call not upon the ego for anything. It is only this that you need to. The Holy Spirit will of himself, fill every mind that so makes room for him. 74. If you want peace, you must abandon the teacher of attack. The teacher of peace will never abandon you. You can desert him, but he will never reciprocate, for his faith in you is his understanding. It is as firm as his faith in his creator. And he knows that faith in his creator must encompass faith in his creation. In this consistency lies his holiness, which he cannot abandon, for it is not his will to do so. 
with your perfect uh, with your perfection ever in his sight he gives the gift of peace to everyone who perceives the need for peace and who would have it make way for peace and it will come for understanding is in you and from it peace must come thank you jessica and harrison said this before if you want peace you must abandon the teacher of attack the teacher of peace will never abandon you you can desert him but he will never reciprocate for his peace for his faith in you is his understanding it is as firm as is his faith in his creator and he knows that faith in his creator must encompass faith in his creation in this consistency lies holiness which he cannot abandon for it is not his will to do so with your perfection ever in his sight he gives the gifts of peace to everyone who perceives the need for peace and who would have it make way for peace and it will come for understanding is in you and from it peace must come 75 the power of god from which they both arise is yours as surely as it is his you think you know him not only because alone it is impossible to know him yet see the mighty works that he will do to you and you must be convinced you did them through him it is impossible to deny the source of effect so powerful they could not be of you leave room for him and you will find yourself so filled with power that nothing will prevail against your peace and this will be the test by which you recognize that you have understood thank you harrison and karen 
going back two sentences. Make way for peace and it will come. For understanding is in you. And from it, peace must come. 75. The power of God from which they both arise is yours as surely as it is his. You think you know him not only because alone it is impossible to know him. You think you know him not only because alone it is impossible to know him. Yet see the mighty work that he will do through you and you must be convinced you did them through him. It is impossible to deny the source of effects so powerful they could not be of you. Leave room for him and you will find yourself so filled with power that nothing will prevail against your peace. And this will be the test by which you recognize that you have understood. Thank you, Karen. And thank you, everyone, who read this morning. Uh, we're a little bit past the top of the hour, so um, here would be a perfect place to pause to reflect on our freedom today. Uh, so we'll turn it over to you, Fran. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook, and today we are on Lesson 163. There is no death. The Son of God is free. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I shall read some from the lesson, and then we will do our five-minute practice on the lesson. Okay. There is no death. The Son of God is free. Death is a thought which takes on many forms, often unrecognized. It may appear as sadness, fear, anxiety, or doubt, as anger, faithlessness, and lack of trust, concern for bodies, envy, and all forms in which the wish to be as you are not may come to tempt you. All such thoughts are but reflections of the worshiping of death as savior and as giver of release. Embodiment of fear, the host of sin, God of the guilty, and the Lord of all illusions and deceptions does the thought of death seem mighty? For it seems to hold all living things within its withered hand. All things with death are seen to be unsure. Would you bow down to idols such as this? Here is the opposite of God proclaimed as Lord of all creation, stronger than God's will for life, the endlessness of love and heaven's perfect, changeless constancy. Here is the will of Father and of Son defeated finally and laid to rest. It is impossible to worship death in any form and still select a few you would not cherish and would yet avoid while still believing in the rest. For death is total. Either all things die or else they live and cannot die. No compromise is possible. The idea of the death of God is so preposterous that even the insane have difficulty in believing it. For it implies that God was once alive and somehow perished, killed, 
apparently, by those who did not want him to survive. Death's worshippers may be afraid, and yet can thoughts like these be fearful? If they saw that it is only this which they believed, they would be instantly released. And you will show them this today. There is no death. And we renounce it now in every form for their salvation and our own as well. God made not death. And it is given us to look past death and see the life beyond. Our Father, bless our eyes today. We are your messengers and we would look upon the glorious reflection of your love which shines in everything we live and breathe in you alone. We are not separate from your eternal life. There is no death, for death is not your will. And we abide where you have placed us in the life we share with you and with all living things to be like you and part of you forever. We accept your thoughts as ours and our will is one with yours eternally. Amen. Now we'll do our five-minute practice. Lesson 163, there is no death. The Son of God is free.
death is a thought which takes on many forms, often unrecognized. Lesson 163. There is no death. The Son of God is free. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Just great, Fran. Thank you. Amen. Wonderful, Fran. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Good morning, Karen. Um, What I was thinking is that death is everything that defends against the light. And as in the text reading, it was talking about the power of God is with us. That's our true self, the empowered divine light. But the ego is this false self, and it's, it's just layers and layers and layers of death, layers of blocks against the light, layers of defenses against the light, layers of falsehood. And um, I was meditating on this earlier, and I realized that my likes and my dislikes are layers of death, you know. The ego has judged. First, the ego comes along and judges and then establishes likes and dislikes. It's it's another layer, that layer I wasn't aware of. But um, this prayer, I do not know what anything including this means, and so I do not know how to respond to it, and I will not use my own past learning to guide me now. That is one of my absolute most favorite, um, most favorite prayers in the whole book. In fact, I have it on an index card so I can carry it around because my ego's past learning is, is falsehood. It's just another one of those shields that blocks the light. If, you, if it were possible to remove all these forms of death, then I would just stand in I would just be light. I would just be an etheric light body joined to everything in oneness because that's what we really are, spirit, light, love, peace. And um, this reading keeps referring us back to the fact that if we relinquish the idea that we know anything, I think I know. I think I know what's right or what's true. It's... That's the ego's voice. I need to relinquish thinking that I know and accepting that I don't know so that the Holy Spirit can teach me what's true. And in that openness, um, it takes away these layers of of death, death blocking the light. Um, You cannot be your your own guide's miracles because it was you that made them necessary. You know, and the only other statement, um, it says that um, I feel like in the past, the Holy Spirit has not shown up to solve my problems. And I have certain problems even now that I think the Holy Spirit is not solving. But it teaches, it says in this that um, it's an excuse that, I'm making up that says that it hasn't been solved. And that's based on, again, the ego's um, judgment of what's 
what's good and what's not good. And the thing is, I can't see the whole picture from my ego mind. Only the Holy Spirit knows. And I have to let go of thinking that because something hasn't gotten fixed the way I want it to be fixed, that the Holy Spirit hasn't taken the problem. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was just great, Karen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. This is uh, interesting and uh, deep reading for me today because yesterday at the Center for Spiritual Living, someone announced that a young man who, uh, I think he was like probably 39, um, is was the town drunk. He was taking drugs, and but he was just this. When he looked at you and smiled, he had the most beautiful, sparkling eyes, and he was half uh, Inuit, half Eskimo, and half whatever else Western uh, European. Just handsome guy, and um, you know I was. Part of me was just filled with so much sorrow that there are so many young men, especially, who don't have a place. And how that points to our society's lack of networking that could help these young men find a place. And he never did find a place. And he could have been. I mean, he is this most amazing person. So, you know, there is no death, but there's a sadness that that, that his form, his human life was not supported enough for him to find his spot, that that we didn't create a spot, a place to embrace him. Thank you. Thank you, Robert Marie. Thank you. Thank you, Robert Marie. Thank you for demonstrating your compassion. Thank you for sharing. Good morning. This is Jessica. Um, This is just so, so beautiful today. I don't know if it's touching me so deeply because it's answering some important questions for me about things happening in my life. But I also want to say I think of this as uh, Lori's section because because it talks about not knowing. Um, And I love in paragraph 58, yet the essential thing is learning that you do not know. Wow, how hard is that for me to learn? Knowledge is power and all power is of God. You who have tried to keep power for yourselves, have lost it. You still have the power, but you have interposed so much between it and your awareness of it that you cannot use it. I mean, this section just, I mean, I could read the whole thing again, 
Um, and, uh, but, you know, we don't know, and we keep forgetting, at least I keep forgetting that I don't know, and I keep trying to figure things out, and I have to remind myself that first comes forgiveness, then understanding. And I have a situation in my life right now where um, I think most of you know that my daughter had a baby. She lives in Georgia. And there's a rift between her baby's father and mo- and between the uh, that side of the family, like, well, the, mo- the mom whose house my daughter's living in and the son who's the, who's the father of the baby um, had some issues with us. We stayed there too long, I think. There were too many of us staying there too long to hang out and issues developed. And we didn't know there were any until after we left. But so it's a situation that remains unresolved. And occasionally I think that I I, I feel sad about it and worried about it, and then I, because I have forgotten that I don't know, and that, that, um, you know, the prayer in this section is super helpful in this too. Um, I do not know what anything including this means, and so I do not know how to respond to it. I keep thinking, you know, weeks have gone by, and I keep thinking, well, you know, I mean, I tried to respond in loving ways, and at this point, nothing is changing, so I'm just blessing them, blessing them whenever I think of them, in order to avoid any kind of, like, judging and perception of negative perception and judgment. Um, I do not know how to respond to it, and I will not use my own past learning as the light to guide me now. So if I don't use my own past learning, I just have to be open to whatever is revealed and whatever guidance I get and and to the fact that waiting and sending blessings, maybe the time, the intermittent time is there for me to learn how to keep blessing every time I think any kind of judgmental thoughts. It's very difficult not to think judgmental thoughts when both my husband and I have reached out to um, both of the people involved and that we have gotten absolutely no response. So it's hard not to feel, you know, this is not okay, it's it's hurtful, it's disrespectful, this is our you know, shared grandchild and so forth and child. But that is getting, that is going to get no one nowhere. (laughs) No how. (laughs) Um, So blessing them is really the only option I have because that's what brings me peace when I'm able to do that and when I'm able to trust that the will of God is, is unfolding. Thanks for listening, guys. I'm complete. Oh, thank Amen. you for sharing that, Jessica. Especially you, the emphasis on trust. Yes, thank you very much. That was very, very clear and very helpful. Thank you.
I love your shares, Jessica. Uh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Great shares. I um, it's um one line in this particularly that just really jumps out to me in the lesson, and um, then I'd like to refer to the lesson, if I may, the um, in paragraph 66 of the text, which follows, you know, the, the acceptance that I don't know what anything means, that everything is a personal interpretation. Um, according to perception, the perception of form, which it goes into in the in the, um, the the text reading the last few days that perception of form is the ego's interpretation, and that's all the body's eyes can see. Now, if I think I'm the body, and I'm trusting what my body my body's senses tell me it's real, and I believe it's real, then of course I'm going to accept the ego's judgment of things, and I will be disturbed by what I perceive through the body, in the body, in the, body, in the world, and the world according to the, the perceptions of the body. So I'm giving reality to all of it, reality to the dream, to the illusion, to the ego's, not that it's all not real, it's a real experience, but it's the ego's interpretation of it that it's illusory. So letting go of everything that I think I know through my own personal interpretation of it. And this leads me to the one line in paragraph um, 66 that jumps out at me. By my refusal to attempt to teach myself what I do not know, the guide whom God has given me will speak to me. So I'm listening. I'm still quiet and peace. And because peace is the condition for me understanding anything, because if I'm in opposition to anything as it is, in opposition to what is happening now, God's will is happening now. The ego is the only one that doesn't see that. The ego separates things out and says, this is wrong, this shouldn't be happening, this is wrong, this isn't right. So the line again, the guide whom God has given me will speak to me if I'm listening, and he will take his rightful place in my awareness the instant, the holy instant, I abandon it. So I abandon my own awareness. That's, that's it. I abandon Judy in my awareness of everything. I abandon me in my own awareness of everything. So I'm merely aware. I'm simply and merely being present with the holy presence of God in my mind. And what would you show me? What would you reveal to me? What would you tell me about what I need to know about what's happening here? I don't know what's happening here. And the world is simply what the world is. The world is happening as it is. I can't change the world. I needn't change the world. But I need change the way I look at the world. Ergo, here I'm going to go to the lesson. And, um, you know, that we think that, and this comes from Lesson 167, that there's one life that I share with God. And it's an immortal life, a constant 
consistent, loving, real world where I'm one and whole and united in the state of grace with everything. But we think that death is of the body, yet it is but an idea irrelevant to what is seen as physical. A thought is in the mind. It can then be applied as the mind directs it to the body. Its origin is where it must be changed. If change occurs, ideas do not leave their source. The emphasis this course has placed on that idea is due to its centrality in our attempts to change our minds about ourselves. It is the reason we can heal ourselves. It is the cause of healing. It is why you cannot die. The truth, its truth established us as one with God. It's the belief that, condi- death, it's the belief that conditions change, that I can change and distort myself into an image of my own making that comes from mine. It's all a projection from the mind. It's the great projection that emotions alternate because of causes we cannot control outside of us, we did not make, and we can never change. It's a fixed belief. Ideas can leave their source and take on qualities the source does not contain, becoming different from their own origin, apart from it in kind, as well as distance, time, and form. So it, death is the thought that you can separate yourself from your creator, and you believe you're an image of your own making. And that as I think I am, I see others. If I think I'm a body, I'm going to see others as bodies. As I think I am a body, I have problems related to the body, to its sustenance, to its protection, to its care and concerns, to its death. If I know I'm not a body, none of these are of any concern whatsoever to me. Therefore, I have no worries. I can't get angry. I can't be hurt. I don't have any fear because I know I'm an immortal. And you can't touch spirit. I have to claim and own and acknowledge the truth of how God's created me or the dream will not die. I can't be living the dream and trying to fix the dream. They're in opposition. They're completely opposites, true and false. And either God's truth is true and I am as he created me or I'm believing false beliefs that make me suffer and I'm projecting them onto the world because the world is just a projection from the separated egoic mind. The image on the screen, images, symbols, signs and symbols, bodies the symbol of sin, sickness, and death. We have to understand what the Course is teaching us to, to know and understand that peace, I have to want peace, peace is a condition for understanding the truth of who I am. If I let the dream upset me, I'm a part of the dream. I'm buying it. I'm taking the bait. The dog is in the hunt. I'm trying to fix the dream. Waking up from the dream is the point. I am not a dream body in a dream world. I am an awake, awakened, enlightened, 
spirit, the incredible lightness of being, a light love being, just like Karen said, I love your shares, all of you, and um, have a joyful and, and happy day. God's will for us is perfect peace and joy and happiness. And if I'm not that, I'm an ego. I'm being in an ego. I'm demonstrating I'm an ego. And I'm, di- I'm living, I'm not living, I'm dying. So, Erico, there I go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to go out Thank to work. You, Judy. <laughs> Use, using my form to hug every spirit there <laughs> at preschool and realizing that, you know, uh, adults need just exactly that. They need, they need us to use our form to hug their spirits. And uh, I hug Quinn's spirit. What a beautiful spirit. And when I see someone else who's struggling today, I will hug them because I want them to know that I see them. Thank you all. That's beautiful, Robin Marie. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Bring the light. And thanks for your share, Judy. Very thorough, as usual. Thank you. Karen, I just want to thank Judy for your share. I especially loved the beginning when you were using all the references from the text and really discussing um, very uh, very distinctive or separate details um, from the reading and from the lesson. And that was so helpful. I just want to thank you for that. Um, and then you go on and on, and it's like it becomes more abstract, and then I kind of lose what you said in the beginning, which is a really hard thing for me because um, I just want to take away what you gave in the beginning. So great. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. I'm trying to be more conscientious about that. Thank you for your encouragement. <laughs> oh, thank you both. I get I get swirled right up to heaven sometimes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this freedom, and I too um, second what Karen said about this vote being Lori's. 
um, particularly strong section. <laughs> so um, if I have no mind, nothing matters. I, I had a real strong billboard. Um, this is the way Christ reveals himself to me. Recognize that it doesn't matter. Recognize what doesn't matter. And it's the appearance of form that doesn't matter, that it's all perception and distortion and interpretation of reality, that reality is formless and changeless. We can't see spirit, it's invisible, but we can know it in our hearts and feel it and experience it through loving everything. And um, that's the truth and the whole truth, that only love is true. And um, that comes from peace and the desire, um, like um, when Robin Marie was sharing that, um, they're wanting, wanting the will, our Father's will for everybody is, is what um, makes us open to hearing what might reveal the way and the truth and the light to us because we want it. We want the happiness and peace for others that God wants for us. And I think that's what makes, helps, um, and inspires me to be really present and aware without Judy's interference, because I don't know. How could I possibly know? The, the multiplicity of opportunities that God has and uses to help all of us together as one. It's just... You know, it really opens up my heart and my mind to it. So, ergo, there I go. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Well, hi, guys. This is Lori. What a happy section <laughs> to begin. Um, the great beginning uh, and in chapter the chapter title is bringing illusions to truth and um, and I'm quite enamored this morning with how he begins this section but I'm especially in love with paragraph 64 today speaking of the happiness which is ours, one test, peace, and understanding. The atonement is how you can escape the past forever. And then he says, after all that, do not be concerned about how you can learn a lesson so completely different from everything you have taught yourselves. How would you know? Your part is very simple. You need only recognize that everything you taught everything you learned you do not want you do not want everything you learned you do not want think about that word want the ego wants the ego wants but the Son of God wills it's a very very important difference wanting and willing we can make a world he says we can make a world and believe in it so don't ever doubt the power of a son of God and his will 
He can make a world he doesn't even want and then believe in it. But there's something very different about will. And if you think back to Lesson 74, the very first unequivocal lesson in the workbook, unequivocal in that it states, it states clearly and purposely and uh, without a doubt at all that there is no will but God's. That's the lesson. Lesson 74, there is no will but God's. But I believed that I had a separate will. And I used that will so inappropriately to build a prison for myself. A prison made of right and wrong, a prison made of judgment. And from this prison, you know, the first law of chaos, remember that? In chat, we won't get to it till 19. But he says the first law of chaos is that truth is different for everyone. That's what I believed. That truth was different than, from everyone's. And my truth, of course, was superior. And I used it to make a world. How can, how can you learn a lesson so completely different when I worked really, really hard at it? As we all did. If we hadn't worked so hard at it, we wouldn't be here. Uh, because working hard at it Working hard at being an ego is what teaches us that we don't want it. And I was thinking about, um, there's another statement that's really unequivocal. It's in chapter 3. And let me see if I have it. I do. Nope, not that one. This one. In Atonement, without sacrifice he says God himself is not symbolic he is fact the atonement too is totally without symbolism it is perfectly clear because it exists in light and thank you Karen for all your shares about light only man's attempts to shroud it in darkness have made it inaccessible to the unwilling and ambiguous to the partly willing the atonement itself radiates nothing but truth. It therefore epitomizes harmlessness and sheds only blessing. The only defense that can only be used to bless cannot harm. The only single-edged defense. By single-edged, he means can't be used in any other way except to bless because it arose from perfect innocence. Innocence is wisdom because it is unaware of evil which does not exist. It is, however, perfectly aware of everything that is true. And then he goes on to this unequivocal statement. Nothing can prevail against the Son of God who commends his spirit into the hands of his Father by doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and the soul remembers its creator. All sense of separation disappears and level confusion vanishes. The Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. Remember, Holy Spirit teaches the miracle of oneness. There is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will, capital W. 
This single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God. Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent, and that's why I love paragraph 64. He talks about atonement, he talks about guiltlessness, and how can I learn that lesson myself? I can't. I can't. I need only recognize that everything I learned about right and wrong, good and bad, guilt and sinlessness, love and fear, everything, everything I taught myself and learned apart from my Creator, I do not want. That's an exercise of will. And nothing, nothing can will against a Son of God who commands his spirit into the hands of his Father. That's true now and true eternally and always has been and always will be. I can't teach myself that. Um, before that miracle, that one instant, Boy, did I work hard at trying to learn what the Son of God was about, what I was about, what my father was about. And I thought I knew. I mean, if there was a Bible study <laughs> that I hadn't partaken, I don't know what it would be. But I never did learn my own innocence. I never did commend my spirit into the hands of my father because I don't want any part of darkness. That's all. And for that, he says, all I need to is learn, I don't know. I don't want any part of what I may have learned in the past in sharing with my brother. I don't want any part of any lesson I tried to teach myself. And the other thing he says in this book, that I, I'm really um, anxious to bring to this is even in his life, even in his life, you know, if you read uh, John chapter 8, he says over and over and over again, if I judge, and I don't, but if I judge, I always judge truly because I always judge with my father. I and my Father are one. I can't learn that lesson of oneness by myself. I need only say I don't want any part of anything I ever learned. And this is, this is the beauty of it. Then life will start to bring me lessons in which I can apply this true will. Uh, lesson after lesson um, will come in order to help me Thank you, Karen, again, for talking about peeling off the layers. Lesson after lesson will come specific to me, specific to a situation, specific to anything I think I'm involved with. There will be a lesson there to teach me what I don't want. <laughs> All I have to do in any situation, I mean, it's just, it's always true. It's always true in any situation. If I think I know, paragraph 73, boy, it's 73 and 74, you think you know, you will destroy your own peace because you abandoned the teacher of peace. And as soon as you say, 
I don't know. The Holy Spirit will fill that vacancy with himself. I'm, I'm thinking, of course, of love right now, where he says it's our function to make the unknown known. And, and the beautiful thing about the love of the Father, the love of Source, is that in every situation where love doesn't seem apparent, where something else is in my awareness, when I let go of what it is I think I see, for I don't know, my hands are open, he'll lay a miracle there. Because this power that he talks about, this power of God that he talks about in paragraph 75, is love. And the love of the Father, you know, is the source of all miracles. And regardless of how it appears to my eyes, love will be apparent and make itself manifest in my awareness and bring the love that needs to correct whatever situation I'm involved with. Bring it to my awareness in a way that I can share it. And my brother or whatever this situation I'm involved with will change to make love manifest. Why is this called the Course in Miracles? Because the power of God, the power of love, will always fill my mind whenever, whenever I make it empty. You know, what is the Holy Spirit? In paragraph 73, you think you know, you'll destroy your peace because you abandoned the teacher of peace. And then he says the Holy Spirit will fill your awareness. Because what is the Holy Spirit but all my knowledge saved for me? All my knowledge saved for me. You know, we talk about waking up as if it were an endpoint. But the nature of love is creation. It's always extending. And there is no endpoint to that. And so each of us are the light in any situation. And this is how the love of the Father is extended in an unlimited fashion. And yet he says the Holy Spirit will remain to bless your creations. What is creation except love? It's an ongoing, uh, ever-extending, unlimited awareness of unity. Not that that's an endpoint. There is no endpoint on this journey because the Father's love is always extending. And whenever... Whenever I can, God, from when sent me a beautiful thing this morning. Let me see if he's still here. Oh, I had to leave the call. Some of you probably are aware that Lemoyne was spending time with his father last week in hospice. And I don't want to share his miracle. Um... It's for him to share, but his, his father transitioned from his body this weekend, um, and it was a it was a grand struggle uh, for all the people involved in that situation. Um, but I will use his words 
recognizing they're his words and I hope he has an opportunity to share them. He says, between me getting to a divinely peaceful acceptance and my son transmitting my brother's acceptance, my dad then passed quite soon and quietly. The miracle I had requested was made manifest upon agreements of acceptance. And this is how this is how creation is. Whenever I ask what's the truth of this? What is my father's will in this? Everything that I thought before passes away. You know, we think we think I used to think I'm the one who needs to forgive. Even forgiveness is given me because I don't know the truth. But when I ask and leave that empty place in my mind, Holy Spirit, the truth will always fill my awareness. And a miracle will be made manifest upon my agreement of accepting. Oh, man. I told him why that phrase is a keeper. You know, this is how miracles work. Um, On trust... And, and also in paragraph 73, this is how how trust is built. Incident after incident, situation after situation. Event upon event. In every case, when I defer my past learning, a miracle will correct me. And that miracle of creation never ends. The power of God, the love of God, will bring to my mind peace and understanding. And um, on that journey, on that journey of the Son of God, there is no end. There simply is no end to all the miracles you will do, he says. Anyway, what a beautiful, what a beautiful section and what a beautiful awareness that as soon as I defer my my knowing, my my silly idea, whatever it is. And death is just another idea. You know, we, we tend to write a story and believe it. The ego story, you know, always has a plot line and it always has an ending. But in the thought system of truth, the plot line is love. The means are love. The outcome is love. And there is no ending. What a different, different, different upside down way I have. But truth will correct all errors in my mind. As far as listening to the Holy Spirit, even Jesus in his life says it was the final lesson I learned to hear only one voice. That capital voice is all my knowledge save for me that I might do my will and that's to love to love with God to let love be made manifest in any situation where I can accept the truth of it I'm complete thank you Lori for the beauty of your words and for your own beauty I am complete Yes, Lori, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. 
so nice yes, to hear Lord, your voice thank again. You. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lori. That was great. Somebody asked me one time, well, what is the atonement? And it was one of those invitations where I had time for one sentence, you know. (laughs) And so I said, the atonement means I'm never alone. I mean, it abolishes the idea that anything is ever up to me alone. Separation disappears, level of confusion vanishes. And when I was looking at John chapter 8 this morning, um, he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to the Pharisees, even, asking, um, you know, who do you think you are, essentially? And he said, I never will alone. I I never judge alone. I judge according to my Father who sent me. And and that's what inspires miracles, you know, recognizing I'm never alone. One voice. The final lesson I learned. (laughs) Anyway boils down pretty simply. Uh, That doesn't mean it's simple to do. Oh, no, it's not simple to do. Because there's always going to be an event or a situation where I'm wrong. uh, And I bring my wrong thinking, it seems to me. (laughs) Um, But there's always a correction available when I return my mind to the one defense that says everything else I thought was wrong. <laughs> you know, there's only unity. Anyway. Oh, you know what else I wanted to say? There's, remember, there was a quote that says, when blame is withdrawn from without, there's a tendency to harbor it within. And I've heard so many Course in Miracles students say this thing that um, to accept the idea that um, that I'm always going to be wrong. But that's not true. The miracle restores to my awareness the fact that I'm always right. And innocence is the truth of me and everyone involved, you know, what is a teacher of God, uh, someone who agrees that someone else's interests are not from apart from his own, and thus he becomes willing to learn. Um, but that there is no blame. There's no blame on me. There is no blame on anyone. And that's how the truth of innocence has returned to me. I, I wanted to say that because um, 
last week, having spent a week with my family, I was reminded that there are so many situations where I have a judgment. So many. Um, and, and there was a tendency in my mind to think, I don't know anything. Uh, I'm always going to be wrong. I'm always going to see it incorrectly. I'm always going to make a judgment by myself and decide that I'm right. Um, and therefore, there's something wrong with me, is the way the ego interprets that. Therefore, I'm never going to get this course. Therefore, uh, I'm never going to, whatever the, whatever the situation may be. But that's not the point of it. The point of it is always a miracle restores my awareness of truth to me and extends that awareness to whatever the situation is involved. Because, you know, there's only just one of us here. But I seem to think that someone's different. I think to think, I seem to think someone else has got it wrong. Ultimately, the lesson is there's only just one of us here. And anything I judge against is a judgment against myself. So, um, that's life. <laughs> that's life. And life is as holy as the holiness by which it is created. And that's the awareness that keeps coming back every time I accept the truth. So, I don't see that there's an end <laughs> because there's always going to be someone with whom I can share a miracle uh, because I always seem to see someone else. So, that's where I think I'll end it in bringing illusions to truth. I can't take truth and apply it to my mind and say I'm screwed up. I say to myself, I don't know, and then I'm corrected. That's how I think this chapter ends. And um, and to close the call, um, again, there's so many places, but um, I love the beginning of this chapter where he says, join your efforts to the power that cannot fail and must result in peace. No one can be untouched by teaching such as, such as this. You will not see yourself beyond the power of God if you teach only this. You will not be exempt from the effects of this most holy lesson, which seeks but to restore what is the right of God's creation. From everyone whom you accord release from guilt, you will inevitably learn your innocence. The circle of atonement has no end. And you will find ever-increasing confidence in your own safe inclusion in what is for all, in everyone you bring within its safety and perfect peace. Blessed are you who teach with me. Our power comes not of us, but of our Father. Guiltlessness, we know him as he knows us guiltless. I stand within the circle calling you to peace. Teach peace with me. Stand with me on holy ground. Remember for everyone your father's power that he has given him. Believe not that you cannot teach his perfect peace. Stand not outside, but join with me within. Fail not the only purpose to which my teaching calls you. Restore to God his Son as he created him. I teach him his innocence. 
is no death. The Son of God is free. Amen. Thank you, little lammies, <laughs> as we all are. I think I'll end the recording.